Oh, man. Man, oh, man. Okay. This is... gonna be fun. Okay. Alright. I wasn't planning on doing this. Um, this was kind of off the cuff a little bit, so it's a break from our normal programming. Also, in, 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 the, in the world of housekeeping, um, subscribe. We, it turns out we have like 75% of people that are watching these videos aren't subscribed. So, you know, if you're watching, if you're liking them, if you think these are great videos, uh, join the community. Subscribe. Um, I try to reply to everything. Uh, but hit that notification bell. Uh, hit the button. Um, all, all that fun stuff. I'm bad at this. <laughs> but it's crazy looking at the analytics. It's like, wow, we have so many people watching these videos. And uh, it's wild. So thank you for all the support. Um, but let's, yeah, let's get to it. So Kenneth Copeland spoke at Bethel. <laughs> let's just start with that. Um, so I've been getting a lot of messages and comments. So for a couple couple house cleaning things, we'll start with house, housekeeping. Um, holy cow, guys. We are at like, we already broke 2,000 subscribers. That's crazy. The first Breaking Bethel episode is about to break 10,000 views. I think it's already broke 10,000 views probably as of this. Um, and that's just, wow, holy cow. So thank you so much for all support. Thank you for sharing your comments, your emails. I've been getting all of them and trying to get back to all of them. Um, but in that, I've been getting a lot of comments from people and I knew I would. Um, I mentioned this in Chris Roseborough's interview about Bill's explanation of kenosis, his understanding of the, uh, of, uh, of Christ and man. And some people saying it's just a function of language. And maybe he's saying he performed as man, as in like, he was in man form, still God, but filled with the Holy Spirit. And listen, I'll, I'm just going to put this out here right now. Even if I were to give you that argument, we'll, we'll just 100% just give that to you. There's still a lot of the things that you have to consider. And I've been mentioning this in a lot of the comments I've been replying to. When you take the full scope of Bethel's theology and what they do, and this is going to get to Kenneth Copeland, um, it doesn't add up. It makes more sense to go with the interpretation that's more straightforward where he says if i have to understand if, if where bill says if i knew he performed miracles as god i'm left as a spectator but if he's done it as a man then i'm left with a responsibility to act upon it and the reason why when you take it all into scope this changes is because of this very reason with things like kenneth copeland so there's clips i'll try to find them and pull them up with chris valentin teaching a little god's doctrine in a sense um, he says, you're, he's big G and you're little G. God. Listen, I can't heal the sick. Only God can heal the sick. That's right. You are sons of God. In fact, Jesus quoted the psalmist when he said, you are gods and the word is gods is little G. Ye is big G and you are little G. You're little G God. I understand we're not Mormons. Don't take this too far. Literally says, he's big G, you're little G. And he says, don't think I'm talking about Mormons, but you're a little G. And it's like, okay, so what else are we supposed to do with that? <laughs> and then you have Kenneth Copeland, who's done the same thing. And they bring him in, and he's even more blasphemous in his way he does it. And he's taught little God's doctrine. When I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. Adam had a leash on this earth. And as such, he was literally the God of this world. Um, and then you think about, okay, well, maybe it was just a matter of language, but 
I'm sorry, but when you take the full thing into scope of all the different things, and, and now with the topic of this video, the cherry on top, Kenneth Copeland coming to preach at Bethel, you know, I, I kind of want to give my opinion as alumni, as someone who's been there and someone who's who's seen some people, people they've brought in. And we're going to talk more about that later. Um, so to understand, I mean, I kind of got to gather my thoughts here. Is really just kind of like I just got done listening to the sermon. I was like, "What was that?" It made no sense. Um, but Bethel's been bringing in people like this for years, okay? And this is not a new thing for them to to do this. Um, I feel like people are being too um, gracious and saying, "Oh, like you know, you can't you can't assign you know just because you bring someone in, you believe everything they believe." It's like, well, no, but also you aren't arguing everything they believe because you're somewhat endorsing them because you're bringing them to preach to your congregation. You think their message is, I mean, as a good shepherd, if you were of your church as a pastor, you would want to screen whoever you brought into your church as far as who gets to speak, who doesn't get to speak. And this was a big, big (laughs) no-no. We could go down the list of things with Kenneth Copeland, but I wanted to kind of hit a couple points in his sermon and things that stood out to me that I was like, wow, that's where are you going with this? Um, right off the bat, I mean, gosh, the the singing. <laughs> I grew up in a Methodist church, okay, and God bless them. There was times when we would start service, and then someone wanted to do like a musical number before the sermon. And sometimes it was someone with a really good heart, and they just wanted to sing a song that meant a lot to them. And other times it felt like just someone was trying to make it big, and the church was their first outlet to get big. And to perform from someone. And that's what this felt like. It was like, oh, it was, it felt like, it was like cringy Gaither music. Like, don't get me wrong. I love some of the Gaithers. (laughs) But man, this was, this was bad. It's like, come on, man. Like he, he he put like a, like a a musical number before his sermon, which I was just, I, I, that made no sense to me. I'm not, not sure why he did that. I thought maybe he had to do something with sermon, but it really didn't connect. Um, So we're still, we start off with that. We start off with a musical number into our sermon. Now, mind you, this sermon is almost two hours long, and so it was a it was a lot to get through it. But it starts off with him telling stories and testimonies about you know just Kenneth Copeland one off stories like he's just kind of rambling, and the comedian rants and stuff. And then then he starts talking about this plane. Kenneth Copeland Ministries, nineteen fifty nine Cessna Skyline. Yes. Amen? Amen. And so there's another fellow came in there, and he said, and Pappy just hollered. He said, you see that guy over there? (laughs) He said, he's got money coming into his place and wheelbarrow loads. And I said, and the Lord said, agree with him. Agree with him. (laughs) I said, yes, sir. This plane, the first plane in the ministry, and the first plane one to buy, and how, you know, he never pays things with a mortgage. He always, you know, takes out cash. And this plane had a story with someone else who bought it, and the person who bought it was part of a ministry. And and then they want, you know, it's the he's been married for sixty some years. His ministry is fifty six years old, and it's like this whole thing. And I'm like, all right, let's get. I thought it was gonna be like a little. I'm used to guys giving a little story ahead of time, maybe, but this was just like, gosh, this went on, went on and on and on. So he goes through this whole story of the plane and then finally starts talking about his toe. <laughs> so they go from the plane to the toe. Well, sorry, they're, they're intermingled. But his toe, he stubbed his toe. And it- 
I turned the light out and walked across the room and I kicked that thing and I heard my toe pow. Right now is we're going to find out what's in you. I said, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm healed. Oh, 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 oh. His toe had like a, he busted his toe and then he can declare that his toe was going to be healed. And he kept like, he's quite the actor. And he's like, ooh, he, oh, it hurt. It was throbbing. He's like, he's a storyteller. You know, he's doing his whole thing. And then he eventually declared his toe was going to be well. And he talked about how he, how he prays it. If he declares it in the name of the Lord, it'll come true. And this is a whole, a whole thing on that, right? So we're, we're, we get through the toe. And then we finally get to the actual, like, which I feel like was part of the sermon. But he starts talking about, um, what was that? It was the toe. It was the plane. And then it was the, uh, um, oh, he starts talking about Abram, Abraham. Yeah. Okay. So he takes, he talks about the covenant, new covenant or Testament, new Testament, how good a covenant is, all that stuff. Talks about Abram and Abraham, talks about the Hebrew letter H in between Abram and Abraham. He does like a little snippet on the sacrifice. In the 15th chapter of Genesis. Abram was instructed by God to cut animals down the spine and let them fall and the blood. I believe that he saw his footprints in that and he said, so shall your seed be. And he kind of brushes over that. But I'm like, man, like if you're ever going to bring that up, the number one thing, I think it was Genesis 12 or Genesis 15, I think it was Genesis 12. And he brings that up and it's like, he just brushes over it. I don't know if it's because he didn't plan on speaking on it, but like the big part of that story is how it, it was a traditional covenant, covenant ceremony. And then when it came time for Abraham's turn, or Abram's turn to walk through the entrails, he was put to sleep and only the spirit of God went through, not Abram. And like that's that's a big part of that because it's explaining the way the covenant was created and how God made a covenant with Abram and Abraham, but only only God passed through it. And it's like there's this whole thing there that's like a whole sermon I could give on that. Well, I, I'm not really a preacher. Disclaimer: I'm not a preacher or a pastor. I'm just a armchair layman. Um, but there's a whole thing there. It's like you missed, and he just kind of blazes past that. So he blazes past this, and then he goes on to. <laughs> Uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, and this this is where the little God's doctrine kicks in. Okay, guys, if it was not more evident than ever before, I don't know where it could be. He was pushing this. He kept saying, like God. God holding this lifeless gray body by the shoulders. And they were exactly the same. They looked just alike. Someone just like him. Amen. He was like God. And I feel like I I feel like Mr. Copeland was holding back. Like I feel like he wanted to go deeper with that. Because he told him, like, I had a he's like earlier in this week I had a vision, a dream about this, and you know, of course he did. And in the dream, he saw, he's like, I, I believe I saw 
what it was like, or he talks about how like these are the first words that man has ever heard his whole life. Man has ever heard of, you know, how these are the first things the human ear has ever heard. And it's like, okay, where are we going with this? And he's like, I saw, I saw this, this gray, just man, this form of a man. And God was behind him, holding him. And he looked just like him, just like him. His shoulders, just like him. Just everything looks just like him. And I could see there the God was, I'm not doing a terrible impression, but impression, but how God was breathing into him and breathing life into him and did all this stuff. And he came to life and he said, he's as good. He's like me. He's like God. He's like, he didn't say, man, that's ugly, you know, and everyone laughed and stuff. And he didn't make no big, strong gorilla. He made someone like God. He's like God. And he kept, he kept stressing that like God. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I, I've heard your sermons. Like, I've heard your other sermons. I've heard you talk about these things. And I can't help but think, Mr. Copeland, that you are saying, <laughs> given the context of everything you preach, it sounds like you're really pushing he was like God, like really like God, like almost a little God. <laughs> it's like he was really stressing that point. And <clears throat> he went on to go through that and then the fall of Adam and the fall a fall of fall of man with Eve, and it's like this sermon just went on and on, and there was no. It didn't really go anywhere. It was just it was just war stories, and the thing that like really got to me, of course, the big part that really hit everyone was when we got to the point where he starts talking about Jesus dying on the cross, and he pulls it up, and he's referencing Psalm twenty seven, and um, you know, what? actually, let's just pull up. He locked on to that 22nd Psalm. He found himself in the 22nd Psalm. Let me take a minute real quick. Let's just pull up Psalm 27. Because he's talking about how, you know, it is finished and the whole... Let's just, let's just do some Bible reading. Psalm 22. I got it. I got it. Psalm 22, not 27. Sorry, I had to, my, my previous search history and stuff was going up. So he talks about how he was quoting Psalm 27 um, and how he uses this as a scripture also in the book of Hebrews of how Jesus went down into the depths of hell um, and for three days fought Satan. <laughs> kind of like a Carmen boxing match. <laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers. I might be dating myself. Um but let's read part of it. So Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so, so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. Yet you are holy and throned in praises of Israel. In your fathers trusted, yet they trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, I am, uh, and I am not a man scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make ma they make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. So we know right away. Obviously, this was David in the Psalms, but also it was a foreshadowing of Christ. You know, you know, if your God come you know, help you know, get yourself down, kind of thing. Um, but Mr. Copeland uses this as a text to say, like he goes further into it, how Jesus was in hell for three days and he was stuck in Psalm 22. He was stuck there and he knew what was going on. And the big part was, 
it is finished. And he goes on and on about, well, it was finished, but it not quite finished. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And if you read it in the classic Amplified, it, it, the end of, and all of it, I mean, that whole thing is in there. Describing him in hell. It is finished. Well, one thing that was finished that day was that first covenant. Redemption wasn't finished. Not yet. It was finished, but according to Kenneth Copeland, that's not when regeneration started. You know, it's for three days, Jesus was in hell. And after that, it was finished. It's like, it's just like that, that teaching alone. Like the Bible says it is finished. It's done. That was the scripture. That's what it says. Like at that point, the wrath of God was satisfied. You know, like that, that classic hymn we sing. It's like, no, like that, that's when it was finished. But Mr. Copeland decided to go further off on it. And it's like, how how do these guys just keep getting away with this stuff? <laughs> like, I just don't understand. Like, they, they're, they're, I get, like, I, I, sometimes I appreciate when a, when a pastor or a preacher will be given a sermon, they'll say, well, we know this much. And they'll say, we can speculate that maybe the streets of, of Israel look like this, or maybe Bethlehem look like this, or maybe the manger look like this. We can speculate what it looked like because we historically knew what something looked like or how it was. Like, I, I appreciate that. That can, like, help you get immersed in what he's reading, give you perspective, give you a good idea what's going on. Um, but, gosh, man, when you start... <laughs> when you start going as far as, like, changing the words of Jesus and going against them when he says, it is finished, and you're like, well, it was, but it wasn't finished yet. And he starts adding more to it. It's like, this is when the extra biblical stuff kicks in. And it's little things like this, in my opinion, when it comes to the charismatic movement. I say little things, it's a big thing. But it's these things that slide in church and they slide in sermons where they can just speculate and they can say, well, here's what I think happened. Or here's, they can add their spin to it. They can add their little two cents to it. And it can go further and further and further and further. And all of a sudden you're like, how are we, like, this is where you get like, how do we get here? How do we get this theology? And it's because we just let things slide. We just let them keep going. And no one's calling these guys out in the church being like, actually, Mr. Copeland, the verse just says it is finished. It's done there. You know, it's like, if you think about it, if like, if someone was actually there at, at the sermon and when it was happening, there'd be a clear like, hold on, buddy. Like, you're going too far here. Like, you're you're taking this a bit too far. Um, but that doesn't happen. It just, they just let him keep going and he keeps going. And then, then that's when you get these, like, there's like, I think it was like Sean McDowell or one of the other children's pastors. He, he talked about how Jesus apologized to him, you know, in a, in a vision. It's like stuff like that. You're like, whoa, man, hold on. It's like, Jesus can't like it's as if Jesus made a mistake and he's apologizing to you. It's like, that doesn't fly. That doesn't fly in scripture. We can't do that. But when you, Bethel has a track record of bringing these guys in. Like, it's not just, it's not just Kenneth Copeland. It's like, like Georgian winning Banoff. Like, that's a whole nother one. If you listen to the Banoffs, I'll be doing a whole video on them too. Like, the Banoffs are crazy, man. <laughs> like, I've led worship at some of their, their their conferences and and multiple times I've played bass or, or guitar or something at one of their conferences or at the time he had a guy named Benjamin Dunn. You know, look that name up. That's another person that they, Bethel's brought. Benjamin Dunn, was he had a really cool testimony how he was a drug addict him and his wife were just alcoholics druggies in the streets of i think it was like santa, santa cruz uh, or santa monica and they got saved and then all of a sudden at that point they at some point they linked on with george and winnie benoff and they became like the touring worship 
leaders with them. They brought Benjamin Dunn in the church at, at, at Bethel. And Benjamin Dunn, he, he was the guy, you can still probably find his album. His first album was like a trance album, like a literal trance album. He basically kept repeating that scripture. He, he, has, a one, he has one album where I kid you not, our song for six minutes straight, he just keeps reading the verse where Paul talks about, well, whether I was caught up into heaven or a uh, vision, I do not know. Well, it's like in the second heaven, third heaven, you know, this, this caught up in a trance or whatever it may be. He, for six minutes, he just reads that translation over and over and over. And he keeps getting more and more drunk in the spirit over and over again. And that's all he does. And it's like, it's just, you're supposed to listen to it and get drunk with him, basically. This is the guy that Bethel bought, brought. And he not only that, he came, he led worship at School of Ministry. This is when the whole getting high on the spirit where him and John Crowder had the little baby Jesus and they're like token it. Like that was something they brought to school. And ba- Georgie and Bandoff came and they're all like going for it. And I remember looking on stage and everyone was just, just sloshed. I'm just standing there like, what do I do with this? Like, I'm not feeling any of this. Like, I'm not feeling drunk in the spirit. I even had people come up to me like wanting to break off depression off of me because I wasn't getting drunk in the spirit like everyone else was. And I'm like, I I'm not depressed, dude. Like, I'm fine. I just, I'm not doing that. And so like you take this track record that Bethel has of bringing in these speakers and then people are, are like, this is why I get frustrated. People keep like, oh, well, maybe it's just you're just hearing it wrong or maybe it's just a misunderstanding or maybe you're just nitpicking. It's like, no, man, it's like this stuff, it's, they have a track record. <laughs> they have a history. And they have people that have, they're, now they're bringing in people that have taught little God's doctrine. They have taught little God's doctrine and they're, and they're endorsing this guy essentially, bringing him in. And then, oh gosh, that's the other thing. When Bill opens up, I forgot to talk about this. Bill opens up about how a prophet came to him, one of their friend, pro, friend, prophet friends of the house, and how God's going to open up and, and give them strings to pull on. That's going to with Kenneth Copeland. It's like, you don't need to be a prophet to call that. It's like, you mean to tell me one of the biggest, largest money-making like worship churches is not at some point going to connect with the biggest and richest like multi-million dollar TV televangelist? Like, of course they're going to connect at some point. Of course they're going to get together at some point. It's like, that's a no-brainer. You don't got to be a prophet to call that. Todd White's already connected with them. When's Bethel going to connect? You know, it's like, I'm like, that's not a, and also it's like, that's not like biblical prophecy. Prophecy is like, it's not just like, oh, you're going to connect with this guy. It's like, no, prophecy like was to, to call people back to Christ, to call people back to the Lord, to call people back to his law. And like, that's not calling people back to the law. That's not, that's just like, it's like, I would put money on that. <laughs> It's like, when's the odds that Bethel's going to connect with Kenneth Copeland? I would be like, you know, give me a 20 to 1 ratio. I'd put money on that. Because it's like, there, there's no reason why that wouldn't happen. Because this is right up their alley. So, I don't know, man. Like, I just, I saw this. I saw Kozar made a video on it. And I was like, Kozar made some good points. That's for sure. Watch it if you haven't seen it. And I, was just, I just felt like I had to give my two cents on it. Because it just, it's just ridiculous. Like, it, it is literally just ridiculous of how... I'm ranting and I'm getting heated. I try not to get heated in these videos. Like it's one of the things I've tried not to do. I try to keep level-headed because I don't want this to come off as super mean or accusatory. But just like, it's just so obvious, and it's crazy when you look at it, that. Even like the Bethel on Bethel's actual YouTube page, there's people that are just like that were Bethel fans and and that are even like, what in the world? And I just felt like as as someone who's been there, it's like I'm not surprised. I'm just not surprised at all. Like this was going to happen eventually. It's just a matter of time. And so 
yeah, that's really all my two cents. Like, I'm not surprised this happened. I'm not surprised it came to this. And I, I fully expect, honestly, more people like this to be showing up at Bethel. I don't think they're going to shy away from it. I don't think they're going to try to correct themselves. I think they're going to lean into it. And there's going to be more and more people like this that show up at Bethel. And this is going to be the new trend. And um, not that I'm prophesying, but it's just, it's just obvious. And it's, it's frustrating. It's heartbreaking. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable that someone who clearly has just profited off of preaching a prosperity gospel, who has clearly just profited off of, I mean, just preying on weak people who need money and need breakthrough financially in their life. Like when he said, like, oh, I have helicopter faith. It's like, this may seem nitpicky, but like, that's like a thing where people are like, oh, I have faith for this. I have, I have, I have healing faith. I have this kind of faith. And he even talked about how like the words that he spoke carried living life and like a faith vessel, a faith something he said. And it's like, that just leans into what, what Bethel's theology is, how faith is like a force, how like faith is something that can move something. It's like a faith that can, um, it's like a tangible physical thing you can have more of. It's like stuff like that. That's just like riddled throughout his sermon. It's like, well, no wonder, like it's, it's fully obvious why Bethel backed this guy up in this version, in his way, because it's, that's what they do. So I don't know. I'm ranting. Um, sorry. Uh, this is not, um, officially a Breaking Bethel episode, I guess you could say. This is more of just Jesse ranting. We'll put it under the Breaking Bethel playlist. (laughs) Um, but this is definitely more of just a rant. And, um, yeah, we will, uh, we'll see where it goes next. So thanks for watching. Um, yeah, thanks guys. Appreciate it.